0: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rael Bricker coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams.
1: Hello and welcome.
0: For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com.
1: And our special guest today is Wendy Lee. Wendy is a brand image consultant. She's based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and is the CEO of Chapter One. Welcome, Wendy.
2: Hello, Australia, all the way from uh, KL I am now at. (laughs) Good morning.
1: In fact, Wendy, it's hello, the world, because we've got listeners all over the world. We're right across Asia, the US, Europe. You're going to be instantly famous after this uh, this interview. Trust me, Wendy. You you are an interesting person. You're one of the, the first people in Malaysia to become a brand image consultant. Um, that that really piques my interest for a start. What what made you transition from the corporate world to to take on this challenge?
2: Well, I personally would think that I, I have an interesting story to tell as well because not many people will actually transition like this. I was in a pharmaceutical biotech world. Uh, that was my first, uh, first and second job. I only had two jobs in the uh, in, in corporate sector. And then after which, there was a, a period of time where big pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer, Roche, you know, they, they were having a lot of these uh, mergers and acquisition and, and whatnot. And my company, although it was um, the third largest biotech company in the world, um, however, it was sort of like a family-owned company and and there was this rumors uh, uh, happening around and saying that there's going to be an acquisition happening. So it was a choice of whether do I stay back in Malaysia to to continue on with my my career or do I move to Singapore because they wanted to shift me over to Singapore or um, do I just stay back and do my own business? So that was a choice. And during that time, uh, my husband or then boyfriend, (laughs) uh, he actually had a business over here. So it was like, do I go for love? Do I go for career? Love, career, love career so I <laughs> so I that I know was which way this one ended up so I ended up back in Malaysia and it was a time whereby because he was in business and he was asking me whether do I want to venture into business as well but because I've been spending all my life in a corporate world I didn't know what to do um well I, I was interested in you know something of beauty and makeup and all that but I didn't want to end up as a makeup artist um not freelancing and all that then somebody um uh, introduced me oh actually it was my husband that introduced me to the image consulting world um because he watched this particular tv movie by uh, it was a me- it was a movie by bruce willis if i'm not mistaken and it was called a kid and he was an image consultant. He said, oh, okay, why don't you become an image consultant? I said, hmm, that sounds interesting. So I Googled and there were no image consultants over here in this region. And that was when I found my mentor, my teacher, Anne Reinton, over in Australia. Wow. <laughs> so that's how I started. Yeah, so right. that's how I transitioned.
0: So, so Wendy, I mean, what, what is an image consultant? I mean, I, you know, you've spoken about it and, uh, you know, What is an image consultant? And then I guess the second question is, why is that important in the business world?
2: Okay, so... Over here in Malaysia, we have uh, basically two types of image consultants. Uh, The first type will be people like myself, whereby the focus of my work is mainly with the corporate sector, corporate world. The other one would be focusing more on the entertainment industry. So they will be styling up artists, singers, and all that. Uh, I don't touch the entertainment industry that much. I focus a lot in the corporate sector. So what do I do? Well basically I refine and define um, corporate executives, companies, rebrand them through their wardrobe, behavior, communication, you know, and now uh, more towards digital presence in terms of uplifting their brand, their image as well. So that is basically a big chunk of my work. Whereas the on the personal side, I do have uh, clients, personal clients coming to me on, you know, make, uh, doing a makeover for them. Uh, but that is not really my concentration. So you have a couple of uh, varieties of image consultants around.
1: So your focus is on the corporate world, helping them tune up their brand, their image mm. in the marketplace.
2: Yes, so, not only focusing on the uh, the corporate executives, but also the brand of the company as well. So, for example, and this is how we have moved uh, away from uh, just focusing on um, the uh, sort of like the the the. The, the, the look and feel, the look and feel, sorry the look and feel of the uh, corporate executives, we also focus on the brand values as well. So for example, if a company were to go through a uh, brand reorganization for example and they, they change their values, their, their, state, their mission statement and all that, we will go in and we will look into that and see how we can translate that uh, in order for your corporate executives to be able to live and breathe the brand.
0: Okay. And so part of that image, I mean, you know, how defined is it? So you're talking of a brand image and a, and a corporate rebrand, but also the individual executives, you know, dressing the pot, so to speak, or, you know, being part of that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how prescriptive can we be at a corporate level to things like like dress or dress sense or dress code?
2: Um, can you, you So in other
0: that, words, how can a company define for its executives, you know, we you have to wear a, you know, pinstripes in the men's world or a pinstripe suit and, and a red tie. Um and for the women, you know, you need to wear a, a tailored suit and a and a blouse up, you know, that, that that's three centimeters below your chin. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, um how do you how, how can we be that prescriptive in the corporate world when everyone is, is essentially different?
2: Okay, so it, it goes back to what your company brand uh stands for. So, for example, we have been to a company whereby one of their values is, i give you an example, would be creative. Yeah, vibrant creativity is there, is, that, is what they stand for. So, how do we translate that? So, for all their corporate executives, you are not you are not required to wear pinstripe suit just like what you have mentioned earlier on uh, nothing so corporate you have to wear something a little bit more creative a little bit more vibrant so that when people look at you they will be able to relate that to the uh, brand values of your brand however um let's say if i'm I, if i'm going into a uh, a bank for example, yeah, and the bank would have um, corporate values like you know you have to be trustworthy, you have to be professional, you have to have integrity, you have to have respect. Uh, in that in that aspect, then everybody else uh, in the company would have to wear uh, whatever that translate that message. So then your pinstripe suit would come into place however nowadays in, i do not know over in uh, australia what what's what is ha- happening however over in malaysia uh people are going from business formal to business professional see how it's transitioned over the years yeah business formal to business professional and now it's business casual and even going down to smart casual and especially in times like uh, pandemic people are working from home and now back to office we see that a lot of companies now are going towards more of a smart casual rather than maintaining the business uh, formal wear.
1: Interesting you mentioned that, Wendy, because I have the I have a, an amazing collection of ties and my family, if they were ever short of a gift, they just gave me a tie. I haven't worn any of those ties in the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> yes, it's really interesting you note that because there's definitely been a transition here in Australia for men moving away. From, I still wear a suit, I wear a coat, mm-hmm. but, but I don't necessarily wear a tie anymore. Um, so... What's the difference? Is, is it the same the world over or is there a difference between, say, the um, Eastern culture, you know, Asian culture versus a Western culture, you know, Australia, United States, I- England? Is there a difference?
2: Um, well, I-, I would think that um, the East and West over here in uh, Malaysia, I think if you are talking about Western clothing, it is not that different. Yeah, we follow all the dress code, international dress code. So, for example, if you are talking about three pin, uh, um, pinstripe three piece suit, that is considered to be the highest in hierarchy. Uh, probably you see somebody wearing it in, over in Australia. However, in Malaysia, it's very rare, unless you are talking about uh people whose. Going to uh, for uh, uh, you know very important board meetings, then you can see that happening. Otherwise, over here in Malaysia, very rare. And also, we have this traditional Malaysian wear. So, for example, in in our government agencies or government offices, we don't have um, Well, we do follow the Western uh, clothing. However, we are allowed to wear traditional wear as well um, in in terms of our corporate wear. But in terms of um, East and West, right? I would like to mention here. The market is actually very different uh, coming from an image consultant uh, perspective so when i first finished my my um, certification program and i came back yeah it was a bit of a problem because there was not much of a market in terms of um, image consulting right so people are not willing to pay uh, on a personal basis let's say a couple of hundred ringgit or or a couple of hundred dollars uh, for a personal consultation so it was very tough to, 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 to make a living out of that. Whereas over in the West, I would think in Australia, in US, people are willing to pay on a personal basis. So that's the, that's one of the differences as well.
0: Yeah, we actually had a guest on in the early days of the podcast, probably in the first 20 or so episodes,
2: right.
0: um, who's from Perth. Mm-hmm. And she part of her consulting work is literally going to someone's house and opening their cupboard Yes. Ripping out all the clothes that don't look good on them that they think look good but don't. Yes. And taking them shopping. And and for that she charges them, you know, a thousand dollars or something.
2: Same here. Same here in Malaysia. It's just that the the, the demand is not that many. Uh, in fact, just last week I had one, um, and it's usually a bit difficult. Uh, you see the difference I would I would think, yeah. Huh, the difference over here. Um, culture is also a little bit different. So for example, if I were to say, okay, you have to pay a couple of hundred ringgit yeah, for four hours of my time. And after that four hours, you are required to you know, pay up. And then after that, that's it. You, know, you just fulfill that four hours. However, here, once you finish that four hours, they may be asking you for a little bit more, a little bit more. So it's sort of stretched. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so it gets it gets a little bit tough to say no.
0: So it, it, interesting, you know, in, in my youth or well, not my youth, we're in my early, you know, mid twenties, I, I had a business in South Africa in education, and we worked with the government of Swaziland that has now changed its name to an independent kingdom name, and oh. I cannot remember the name. However, I, I went to visit the prince. Uh, in the government offices, one of the princes who was the head of their their country's education system. Right. and I, I arrived there and, and and those days you know this is twenty five twenty seven years ago, you know arrived there in a, in, a, in a in a relatively third world country in you know smart chinos smart shirt jacket on no tie. but I arrived at the royal palace, okay? Right. But what was interesting was he was in traditional dress. And when you mentioned traditional Malaysian dress, yeah. he was in traditional African dress, which was uh, literally a man's dress down to mid-calf and wearing typical African sandals. Mm. Um, and then in the middle of the meeting, he put his feet up on the coffee table <laughs> in these traditional African sandals. Which in a lot of countries, pointing your feet at people, I know, is a problem. But it was, it was, it struck me how different the Western or white culture was to the to the black African culture. And obviously, that cultural dress still applies in 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 Asia. Yes, um, yes.
2: You know. Yeah. So, so if I were to go into a government office today, then I would rather wear something which is a bit more traditional, um, rather than my cheapy suit.
1: So, Wendy, how important is brand image? I mean, if I think about um, a number of our listeners are solopreneurs and they're they're making their way, you know, doing a million things at once, Um, how important is it to create the right brand and image around your business?
2: I think at the end of the day, you have to look at two things. Number one would be what is the product or services that you are selling? Yeah, and, and number two, which kind of customers are you targeting? So for example, like for me, um, I, my brand is a very professional brand, meaning to say I don't go into um, sectors like um, modeling and all that. Um, so every time, if you were to look at my Facebook, my Instagram and all that, I'm always in a professional way. So, everybody could identify me if you're talking about chapter one. If you're looking for somebody professional, corporate, look for Wendy. However, I've had um, students, uh, my, my own proteges, who is more into the entertainment uh, industry, uh, more into personal styling. And she would have, you know, blonde hair. She would, you know, uh, wear something which is a bit more colourful. That is her brand because why the, the target market is very different. So, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself whether whatever you dress, right, represent your, your products and your services and whether your target market would be able to accept uh, who you are. Then you'll be able to sell yourself better. That is why we, sometimes when we look at uh, people who is into cosmetics, for example, yeah, um, if you're selling something which is on a beauty product and all that, if you're on TikTok, if you're on uh, Instagram, you will have to look similar to your brand as well. So you cannot be selling something which is on the luxury end and yet still not... You know, not, not dressing the part and people will automatically not be able to relate you and your product.
0: Well, it, it's interesting. So one of the speakers uh, in Australia, a very well-known, well-paid speaker, once made the comment that the hardest thing about being himself was being himself 24-7 because that was his brand. Uh, ex, mm-hmm. You know, that that every social media, every Instagram, every Facebook with his wife and kids was still on point for brand.
2: Right. Okay. You know, so, how, how
0: big has social media become in terms of that brand image now as opposed to traditional advertising?
2: Okay. So for me, right, um, I, I actually... Or would always advise people who is, um, you know, not into all this. This sorry, I would advise people who is into the social media would uh, it would be advisable to have two accounts. For me, my account is only one account, meaning to say it is a professional account. So whatever that I show on social media, regardless of whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, or whatsoever, it is always professional. So you will never see me running around wearing bikinis. <laughs> Because people cannot relate to that, and also Malaysia is a Muslim world, so I'm very careful. What is it that I project out? Yeah, so I only have one account. However, if you are somebody who is um, who, who who doesn't like to be, um, you know, showing your your true self to the world, then what you need to do is you need to separate them. Have your own personal account. Have your own personal friends. Yeah, so that you it's a it's a clear distinction. That's what I always feel. Or that's what I practice.
1: Okay, Wendy, I'm going to put you on the spot now. My brand, Lindsay Adams, the relationships guy, got some tips for me. What do you think? Come on, (laughs) hit me.
2: Well, relationship, relationship is what? You, you have to project that warmth, that calmness, that friendliness. So I don't expect you to, you know, be on your suit and your ties. And all. then you will look so uptight. That's not some, something that uh, would relate to your brand. I would rather see you in a blazer. So i give you an example on colors. Yeah, If let's say you were to wear a blazer, I would think that um, either a beige color, light brown, you know, or blue, not something in pure black. So that is how I see you. yeah, And uh, that's why whenever you appear and I see you, even if you're in shirt or if just t-shirt, it's okay with me because that's him. Yeah. It's a relationship guy. However, if you are more of, a, I'm an MC, I am into, you know, professionalism and all that, I'm a banker, then it would be a little bit different. Then.
0: That's interesting. Cause I, one of my businesses is in financial services here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, there's been a definite trend, particularly over COVID, but but even the years before that, so 2000 and probably 17, 18, 19, definite trend where we've seen, uh, you know, the, the 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 people who pop into my office to talk to us from the various banks and whatever, their dress code has definitely changed from, you know, business as you said, business smart to business casual. Um, and but a lot of it's got to do with branding because they've now come out with branded shirts, branded things that go well. So, branded t shirts, right, with a branding on, right. and so that's lowered the tone of the dress code because people wear black jeans and a, a corporate t shirt, mm-hmm. and that's now unacceptable. Whereas, probably five years before that, everyone would arrive here in suit. So, so, my question is. Branding mm-hmm. like that. So, how important from a branding point of view, which is completely different to brand image. I'm not talking about branding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that is, is the, the the idea of wearing the logo, the company logo, the company T-shirt. You know, how is that affecting brand image and and the way people dress?
2: I think that is more of a personal choice because like for me i'm not into so much of a branded stuff i always say i am the one that is the branded uh, i i am the brand so i don't need to 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 rely so much on uh, branded uh things yeah however there are some people who believe in that and that's fine so to me right that it's more of a personal choice uh, rather than uh you know relate relate back to what you are doing or your your um your profession
1: so Wendy, how deep can we go with this branding thing? Um, we obviously we've talked about clothing and we've mm-hmm. talked about logos and you know corporate image. Can you how could you drill down into corporate language or, or even the culture of an organization?
2: Um, I, I would think that for image, right, we always have these three things. Appearance, behavior, communication—the ABCs of image. So there is no point in you dressing up very nicely, but at the end of the day, when you communicate, it doesn't sound professional. Uh the language that you use—you know, your vocal and verbals are not uh, incongruent with your appearance. That will also affect the whole brand as well. Yeah. So you have your your communication part, and what about the behavior? Your behavior speaks a lot. Your actions. Yeah. So you have your actions, your appearance, and your attitude as your three A's of image management. Management, right that would encompass the whole brand
0: how's this the, the whole idea the acceptance of what you do you've been doing this for 20 plus years right you know yes. yep. you know how how has it exploded i mean you know you in 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 your bio that i was reading you know there's 150 people that you've you've certified and trained as brand image consultants are they all in malaysia or are they spread out across the
1: world
2: they are spread out all across the world. Um, since pandemic, we are able to cover I think about forty over countries with our certification programs. So we have an online certification programs as well, um, and uh, so a lot of a lot of uh, image consultants are have have taken our certification programs, and uh, the market has exploded uh, since the time when we first um started and i also think we or i would like to believe that we were the first one that 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 uh the pioneer in the in, in this industry at least in in this part of the world because when i first started there were not that many image consultants around and in fact i i Don't remember having or knowing one. Um, So, when I first came back, it was really tough um, uh, because there was no market. I had to find my way around and see who would like to have my services. So, what I did was um, I went around associations, you know, um, um, just to give, you know, charitable associations and all that, just to give free work. But what I did at that time, just to see whether I would be able to sustain a living, um, I imported in a lot of of accessories and that time the uh, accessories from China uh, never came into Malaysia yet so I brought in a lot from US and I started selling accessories so I I would put my accessories on the table and what happened was uh, I would give my talk and say okay for for those who would like to you know buy something from me you know, go ahead. Um so it went on like this. So I started uh selling in the flea market, but it was a very tricky situation because at that time I was still attached with the corporate sector and I was and I had been made the country manager. So imagine if it is a country manager sitting under the hot sun and the flea market. <laughs> So that would not bode well. So what happened was it came to a point where media were covering me uh, a lot and I had to, I had to just resign and, and do this. Yeah. So when I first started, uh, market-wise, we could only concentrate on hospitality industry. So people were calling us up for makeup, for hairdo and, and whatnot. But that was not my point. You know, that was not uh, something that um, um, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't just be your hair, your makeup and all that. It should encompass more uh, than that. So what, what happened was I give you a very good uh, example would be banks. Yeah. Banks started off with us as a one hour talk, half an hour talk and all that and slowly expanded into a half day and it slowly expanded into a day. And now it's a compulsory program for all the uh, orientation, uh, for all the newcomers when they go through the orientation. So that's how it has grown, you know, uh, uh, bigger and bigger.
0: Can I ask you a controversial question? Women versus men in the banking and and that and and that environment, because um, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday who's a senior executive at a small bank in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, a woman, a female, and she said to me, you know, she has had to do a lot of things that are not what she would like, like she doesn't wear nail polish, she only wears stud earrings, um, always wears, you know, a, a, a tailored suit. Is that, is that right or should she be allowed more, you know, choice and flamboyance?
2: I think it's, okay, this, this, this is an interesting question. I think it all depends on who you are working together with and uh, what is a company culture? So let me give you a very interesting example. Over in Malaysia, remember I was telling you that people will be wearing traditional wear? So I've I've had this lady from a bank yeah, uh, who came to me and said, you know, every day I would be, she would, she would dress up, really dress up as in like it's a trippy suit, right? However, she was not based over in uh, KL. She's based in more of an outskirt. So it's the, the bank, you know, you have another branch over in the outskirt and all that. And she finds it very difficult because of a very simple fact that she is not Muslim and she wears a shorter skirt as in like a three-piece suit. You know, a, a, a skirt, a skirt wasn't, wasn't very short. Yeah, It's just at the knee, which is acceptable. Okay. However, in that branch, she would get comments like, why can't you just wear traditional wear? Why can't you just wear long skirt? You know, pants would look nice on you. This <laughs> kind of thing. So it's it, it, it sort of like put her in a... Conundrum is like, should I or should I not? You know, so at the end of the day, it will also be very much dependent on whether you would like to be happy uh, and, and whether you're the type that would conform. Yeah, so it's up to the individual, really.
1: It, it's a really interesting field, Wendy. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time. We're going to have to wrap it up here. Should our listeners want to get in touch with you and maybe have a makeover, you know, in spark up their brand a bit, what's yeah. the best way for them to do that?
2: Um. Email, that'll be good, wendy at chap one dot com, or you can WhatsApp me anytime. Uh, should I put my number here or how does it go?
1: We'll put it in the contact notes. I think it'll be simpler.
2: Yeah. Okay, okay. So email will be the best. Cool.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much,
0: Wendy Lee. Thank you to my co host, Lindsay Adams. That's been a great um, exercise, a great um, discussion on branding and our images and the importance of it in our businesses so thank you again wendy this is railbricker signing off for another edition of the business excellence podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download a number of free resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both life and in business